0: You may be seated. Well, I hope you all brought your Bibles today. Those of you who are part of Oak Hills, we instructed you to do so. And so if you did bring your Bible, I'm gonna ask you to raise it high and keep it high over your head all over the house. Let's raise up your Bibles. And I want you to take a moment to just look at all the Bibles. We understand that we need the Word of God to completely direct us. As we journey through the book of Acts, beginning today and over the next several months, we're going to begin each message with our Bibles held over our head and saying this prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your wonderful acts. What you did then will you do again. What you did through them will you do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want, you to ask, I want to ask you now to open up your Bibles. If you brought one to the book of Acts, and if you don't have one, I want you to look on a neighbor next to you and turn to chapter 1 as we begin this series, Bigger Than You. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering, and many infallible proofs being seen by them during forty days, and speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched... He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. May God bless the reading of His Word. Hasn't it been a great day so far? It has been a wonderful day. Everything has worked so smoothly except for one little problem. I just received word in my ear that we have lost Max. I guess this building is just too big for him. So I'm going to need our kids and even all of our adults to see if we can find Max by yelling out, Mr. Max. Can you do that with me? Mr. Max! Mr. Max! Mr. Max! One more time!
1: Mr. Max! Oh, here I am, Randy. It's all right. I'm here. No need to worry. I am here. I've been testing out my new clamshell. What do you think about it? You know, my old one was really getting worn out. You know how they can get. I mean, those things can get so thin, they're like the walls of a cheap motel, so frayed you can see right through them. Why, some of them don't even block any noise. My old one didn't. It couldn't even block the cry of a baby. But boy, this new one can. This is a new model. Top of the line. Tailor-made. I can sleep in it. I can eat in it. I can walk in it. Why, I even have a flip-down cup holder. I have a jack for my headphones. I put my headphones on, and I listen to my favorite Michael W. Smith CD, and I tell you one thing, I don't hear anything. This thing is awesome. All I do is just kind of hunker down and I close it as tight as I get and it blocks out everything in the whole world. (laughs) Let me tell you something. This thing is better than body armor. Thicker than an army tank. More insulated than any house. I consider this a bunker for my conscience. You know why? Because there's no poverty in here. No orphans in here. No homeless people in here. You see, all I have to do whenever I see poverty or orphans or homeless people, all I do is climb into my shell. Because my shell comes equipped with a sadness deflection shield. Racism, Injustice, (laughs) you're kidding me. Not while I'm in here. Racism and injustice just bounce off of this shell, kind of like rain off of a turtle's back. These shells are great. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have a shell I could climb into and just kind of get away from, you know, all the mess in the world. Let me tell you how this thing works. Just last week, I went down to the grocery store. Deanland sent me there to pick up a few things for a party. You know, just sodas and chips and the like. And I was standing in line, minding my own business. When I noticed that the lady ahead of me, who had a whole covey of little kids maybe three or four at her feet and one in her arm. I noticed that she was paying for her groceries with food stamps. Now typically, I can stir up a smirk and pigeonhole these people as fast as you can say burden on society. But those little girls kind of got to me. What with their strawberry sweetness and ribbons in their hair and flip-flops. About that time, I noticed that the cashier was giving the food stamps back to the mother. Apparently, there wasn't enough food stamps to cover the food. And I had this thought. I had this thought. I thought to myself, well, I could help her. You see, little did I realize what was happening. Somebody had released some kindness vapor into the grocery store. And some had gotten into my system. And my body began to react. I felt a lump in my throat. My eyes began to water. I sensed a sensation in my chest that's called gelatinous cardiaciness, or better known as soft heart. And then the involuntary reflexes kicked in. My left hand went up in the air as if to signal I could help. My right hand went, believe it or not, into my pocket to get some money. That's when I came to my senses. That's when I realized, compassion attack, compassion attack. Boy, was I glad I had my shell. I immediately went over to my shell, and as I stepped in, I looked around and I saw that most of the other people in the grocery store had already taken cover. And I took cover as well. I don't know what I would do without my shell. You know, when I'm watching television and I see reports of refugees in Darfur, I just climb into my shell and it doesn't bother me. When I'm driving through San Antonio and I see the homeless standing on street corners holding cardboard sides, cardboard uh, pieces of paper, then all I do just get into my shell before it bugs me. When our missionaries talk to us about people all over the world who don't know anything about Jesus or forgiveness or heaven or hope, I quickly get into my shell. Why, just last week, somebody told me that there are whole regions of the world that don't even have good, clean drinking water. Boy, was I glad I had my shell nearby. Otherwise, I might have done something drastic. (laughs) I might have volunteered to dig a well. Or I might have even written a check. I don't know if you have a shell or not, but my hunch is that you do. Most of us do. Most of us have found some way to insulate ourselves against the hurt of the hurting, haven't we? I mean, what can we do anyway? What can we do about the famine in Sudan or the plight of the unemployed or the immigrant family that has more kids than beds? Best just to climb into the shell and close up. Isn't that the best response? boy, you'd have trouble convincing Jesus Christ of that strategy. Remember how the Bible presented Jesus to the world? The Word became flesh and blood and moved in to the neighborhood. You see, Jesus was all about moving in, not about clamming up. He moved into Mary's belly and Joseph's family. He showed up at weddings and funerals and river baptism services and festivals. He got close enough to lepers to touch them and foreigners to love them. And he spent so much time with questionable characters that people called him a lush, a friend of the riffraff. Jesus got into things. He got into mangers and storms and fishing boats and synagogues and crowded streets and cemeteries. Racism couldn't keep him from the Samaritan woman. Demons couldn't keep him from the demoniac. His Facebook page included the likes of Zacchaeus, the Ponzi Meister, and Matthew, the IRS agent. And then there was that floozy that he met At Simon's house. Jesus spent 33 years walking amidst the mess of this world. And just before he left, he invited us to follow suit. The passage that Randy just read includes this verse that's going to be our theme for the next few months. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus issued this challenge just moments before returning to heaven. And he issued this challenge to regular folk like you and like me. Before Jesus came along, these people were loading trucks and and coaching soccer and selling Slurpees at the convenience store. Their collars were blue and their hands were calloused. And there's no evidence that Jesus selected them because they were nicer or smarter than the guy next door. What they had in common was this. When Jesus said, follow me, they said, I will. And now, just moments before his return to heaven, our master looked at them and he said, follow me one more time. This time, follow me into Jerusalem. And then out of Jerusalem into your Judea and your Samaria. That's the surrounding areas of Jerusalem. And then from your Samaria and your Judea into the uttermost parts of the earth. The uttermost parts of the earth. For all we know, these fellows had never traveled more than a week or so from their hometown. And Jesus is saying to them, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus, in essence, is saying to them, I'm up to something really big, bigger than you, bigger than your fishing boats and bar mitzvahs and tax offices and city walls, bigger than your national boundaries and ethnic pride. I'm up to something big and I want you to be a part of it. And although scripture makes no reference to any facial expression, I've just got to think that there must have been a twinkle in Jesus's eye when he offered them this invitation. Would you like to be a part of the adventure? And all of the disciples said yes. Wouldn't it be great if all of the disciples today said yes? (laughs) You know, I can't think of a more exciting time in the history of this church than to be a part of this church. I can't think of a more exciting time in the history of San Antonio to be a part of San Antonio. These are exciting days, and I firmly believe with all of my heart that our best days as a church are ahead of us. Randy Frazee and I and his family and mine have been partners now for a year, and we have not only survived, we have thrived. This is a great partnership, and I cannot thank God enough for bringing Randy and his family here and we are genuinely excited about what God is going to do and we believe that God is calling you and God is calling me God is calling all of us to take a good long look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and think about what is our Jerusalem what is our Judea what is our Samaria what is the end of the earth. maybe the most important word in this passage is one of the shortest words and that's the word and Jesus didn't say, I want you to go to Jerusalem or Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth. He said, I want each and every one of you to have a vision for your Jerusalem, that's your neighborhood, for your Judea, Samaria, that's the greater region around your city, and then a vision for the ends of the earth. I need every one of you to have, and this is an important phrase, trifocal vision. To have a compassion heart for your neighbor, a compassionate heart for your city, and then a compassionate heart for the world. And so over the next few months, you're going to be challenged to develop this trifocal vision. To start with your neighborhood, to start with your neighbors, to start with your dormitory, your apartment complex, your cul-de-sac, your street. Start with your neighbors, Because I believe that God assigned you your neighbors. Yes, your neighbors. Yes, even that fellow who walks out in his robe every morning to get the newspaper. Yes, even those guys in the apartment next door who play their music loud at night. Yes, even that family that keeps leaving their tricycles in the street. God has assigned you your neighbors. The Bible says that He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has appointed their pre-appointed times. And look at this. The boundaries of their dwellings. God has defined your neighborhood. Your neighbors are His idea. Your neighbors are your assignment. And love your neighbor is God's command. One Oak Hill's member really gets this, Jacqueline Cosme. She is an Oak Hills member who has a heart for her neighbors. And not too long ago she took special time to get to know one of her neighbors that she had never met, a man by the name of Charlie. You know how Randy Frazee has encouraged us to get to know the story behind the door? The story that Jacqueline found behind Charlie's door was not a happy story. He was all alone. He was retired. He was in poor health. He was bitter. But she began to befriend him, to visit him, just to call on him every so often to make sure he was doing okay. One day she called on her neighbor Charlie and he was so sick he hadn't eaten in a while. And he said, would there be any way that you could bring me a bowl of soup? And she said, of course. And and she went back to her house immediately and prepared a bowl of soup and and brought it to Charlie. She gave him soup, she gave him kindness, and as he was eating the soup, she felt this urge in her heart from the Holy Spirit to tell Charlie about Jesus Christ. And so she described the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to Charlie and said, Charlie, if you don't know about heaven, you can make a decision today to accept Jesus as your Savior. And he did, which is very good, because the next day when Jacqueline returned to visit Charlie, there was no answer at the door. He was dead. Jesus had called Charlie home. And I can't help but wonder if the first thing that Charlie said when he got home was, Jesus, thank you for my neighbor. Thank you for my neighbor who loved me enough to love me into heaven. You know, this challenge to change the world can seem to be a daunting one when you think of it in global terms. But the truth of the matter is we can all love our neighbor, can't we? We can all love our neighbor and we can love our Judea and Samaria. Judea and Samaria was that region right around Jerusalem. Judea was a 45-mile boundary at the farthest from downtown Jerusalem. They shared the same zip code, if you will, as Jerusalem. Samaria shared the same zip code, but boy, they didn't share the same culture. They spoke a different language. They ate different foods. They celebrated different holidays. They were a different culture. And there was an ancient hatred between Jews and Samaritans. In fact, in John's Gospel, John writes, the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. There was an ancient wall that divided the Jews and the Samaritans. There are walls in our city today. Walls between the poor and the affluent, between the Asian and the Hispanic, between the inner city and the suburbs, between the citizens and the and the immigrants. And our dream is to see the presence of Jesus Christ in each of these neighborhoods. And we believe that God wants to bridge the ethnic pockets of our cities. And trifocal vision includes a passion for the whole city. It includes one-day mission trips across town. Trips of service and kindness. You don't have to have a passport. You don't have to go through customs. You just step from one side of the city to the next, from one side of the tracks to the next. You can do this. You can distribute food at the Christian Hope Resource Center. You can volunteer at the Haven for Hope. You can reach out into an Alzheimer's unit and hold the hand of someone who's lonely. You can step into the prison and get to know the name and story of someone who needs encouragement. You can do this. Jesus loves people who love their cities. And He loves people who love the ends of the earth. People who are willing to step out of their shells and dream about people whose names they may not be able to pronounce, whose nations they may never visit, but they're going to pray, and they're going to have a passion and a burden for the ends of the earth. Did you know... That God has a white hot passion to harvest children from every jungle, every neighborhood, every borough, every village, every slum. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of God, the Bible says two times. God brought his people into Cana so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Sing to the Lord all the earth and declare his glory where? among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. God spoke to us through Isaiah and said, I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. Jesus made our assignment clear. Go and make disciples of all nations. His vision for the earth includes this moment at the end of history in which he has people for God from every tribe, language, people and nation. Tri-focal vision. This is what God calls each one of us to have. And as we study the book of Acts over the next few months let's ask God to give it. Let's ask God to do with us what he did with them in the city of Jerusalem. By the way this final point there is no plan B. There is no plan B. Believe me, I've looked for it. I've looked in Acts chapter 1 for that fine print, for those footnotes, for those exception clauses. I've looked for that plan B that reads something like this. And you shall be my disciples. You shall be my witnesses. But if you mess up, I've got a whole battalion of angels I can send down to do the job. It's not in there. There is no plan B. It's you, it's me, and it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And apparently, in God's estimation, that's enough. That's enough. Let's ask Him to do it again, shall we? I'd like to invite you to hold your Bible up in the air one more time and let's repeat the prayer, let's say it out loud that we're going to say every time we begin this study in the book of Acts. Thank you, God. Say it out loud with me. Thank you, God, for your wonderful acts. What you did then, would you please do again. What you did through them, please do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.